0: This is the Ned Group Investments podcast where we explore a variety of views and insights that investors care about. Hello, my name is Robin Johnson, Head of Investments at Ned Group Investments and I'm joined today by David Roberts, recently joined Head of Global Fixed Income for Ned Group Investments based here in London. Thanks very much for joining me, David. Thank you, Rob. Great to be here. So, um, Global Fixed Income uh, hasn't been a place to invest for the last 20 or so years. Um, where do we
1: sit today? Is it a, a good investment yet? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and as you well know, Rob, um, about 18 months ago, I, I took the view that not only was it a difficult place, but it was a very, very dangerous place uh, for clients to be committing cash to, to such an extent that not only did I take my own money out of the market and recommend clients do the same, uh, but I actually decided to walk away from the market. So poor uh, was the outlook for the asset class. And that again, had been building, uh, as you say, over a period of 20 years, really since the the bursting of the dot-com bubble, uh, thanks to central banks manipulating uh, the cost of capital downward. Today, um, I think we are really back in that situation where the raw return, the beta on the market is probably as good as it has been for the last 20 years. So yeah, I think there's really real opportunity in the market.
0: So, Can you talk a bit about where we are with inflation, what that's done to rates and where potentially we could peak
1: out? Yeah, so so obviously that depends a little bit in which jurisdiction we're talking and and, and I tend to focus much more uh, in terms of my investment uh, process on the G7 market uh, and clearly we take our lead from a combination of the Federal Reserve and the ECB. It's quite unusual sitting in the UK and not to talk about the Bank of England, but, but really for most of uh, the assets that I hold, um, what the Bank of England does isn't really that important. We have seen in the last couple of years the European Central Bank and the Fed scramble to raise interest rates and and the Fed have increased nearly 5% now in a series of moves just to try to keep up with market expectation. They paused in the most uh, recent meeting uh, in June. From my perspective, I think that was a mistake. Uh, The smart money says that we'll probably see another 50, maybe 75 basis points of hikes uh, before they start to cut sometime in the middle or, or late 2024. So, the best, uh, uh, guesstimate I would give is that we're much closer to the peak in markets, uh, sorry, in, in market rates. However, that's quite a different thing from saying that we're about to see a significant rally in the capital price of bonds. Okay. And so, what, what, what does
0: that mean for investing in the markets? Long duration, short duration? Which, uh,
1: area or region yes. is most favorable? So, the, The first thing I would say is up until um, a couple of years ago, being as short duration as possible was a very sensible strategy. Today, I don't really think that duration in the short term is going to matter that much. My view is that inflation will be slightly sticky, although the Fed may cut Possibly in 2025, in my opinion, rather than 2024, I don't think the market rates are going to come down significantly. So whether in short duration or long duration is, is less important. And we know that the curve, you know, people have talked about why buy bonds when we can just buy money markets. I do think there's the opportunity for a small amount of capital gain and for bonds to beat money market funds quite comfortably. But as, as I say, I don't expect to see a wholesale collapse in markets. In terms of the parts that we favour, one of the good things about the end of QE is that there has been a high degree of dislocation in markets. For a number of years, we saw uh, core European yields well below zero and significantly lower than either in the US, the UK, and really uh, even even lower than they were in Japan. That has reversed to quite an extent. And uh, when we look at microeconomic indicators, the the part of the market which is most likely to see inflation fall quite quickly from current levels, we believe is core Europe. So I almost can't believe I'm saying this after 10 years of shorting the European bond market, but there actually could be an opportunity in the next one to two years to make more money in European core markets than there is in the UK, certainly in the US or some of our other favoured markets, which traditionally have been uh, the Antipodean markets.
0: Or do you have a comment on the cost of living crisis here in the UK? I mean, people remortgaging at 6% where they did have a mortgage that they were paying 1% on. Yeah,
1: so I think you know that that's come as a shock and there are some real structural challenges with the UK mortgage market. Um, we know it's a very, very short duration market. Uh, a huge uh, percentage of the population are still in, if not a standard variable rate mortgages, which react immediately uh, generally to, to hikes or, or indeed to cuts in interest rates. But also... So fixed term mortgages in the UK tend to be, if anything, two years, three years maximum. And I know there is quite a move to try to introduce more of the kind of Danish uh, style uh, 20, 30 year fixed, but uh, that's been meeting with a little bit of resistance. So there is undoubtedly a pressure on consumption from uh, as you say, the cost of living squeeze the flip side of that is that so far unemployment in the uk has remained very low simply because you know the the, the rules and regulations to to allow an increase in the workforce have been tightened uh, for primarily political reasons, as we know. Uh, And then secondly, the impact of that is that wage bargaining in the UK has seen um, a significant spike in wage inflation. So it it doesn't entirely offset, but when mortgage rates are going up, at least those who are required to pay mortgages have got the advantage of seeing their their wages, their salaries go up seven or eight percent. So that helps to an extent um, and certainly is is one of the reasons why UK inflation has not come down as quickly as as inflation in other parts of the G7. It can't continue though,
0: can it? I mean people can't continue to pay
1: more and more and more and we companies can't continue to pay more and more to their employees. That's correct, yes. But but you do get for a period of time into that wage spiral inflation where, I mean, we're really talking about kind of what in economics we term second and third order effects. So once people are used to seeing prices going up, once they see that they still have some collective bargaining power, then as long as possible, they will continue uh, to, to do that. The way it generally ends is with some form of, recession and a, a significant and rapid rise in unemployment. The signs at the moment are that we're not quite there, but that's the, the that's the danger. You could say, in all honesty, that's what the central bank is trying to engineer. We are on many measures through full employment in the UK. Uh, and again, it's a horrible thing to say, but from a, a broad economic perspective, then, a cost of living squeeze ultimately leading to a, a preferably mild recession and an increase in unemployment is pretty much what the central bank is trying to engineer.
0: We talked about a couple of central banks there. I have a view that there's a lot of central bank bashing that goes on and uh, they're just doing their job and dealing with what's in front of them. What's your view on central bank behaviour?
1: I think it's difficult. They've changed the remit quite a bit. So three years ago, the Fed said that they would no longer try to get in front of inflation. They would wait until inflation was in the system before they dealt with it. Then a couple of years ago, Jay Powell uh, talked about uh, allowing the economy to run hot and the the transitory nature of inflation. So, so they made some mistakes along the way. The flip side of that, of course, is that we've been in a highly manipulated market in terms of capital pricing for about 20 to 30 years now. And if you want to reset, if you want to press that big reset button, one of the best ways to do it is to create some inflation, knowing that that's going to destroy value primarily for um, the, the folks that have continued to support the bond market. So... You know, you can get all Machiavellian about it, but one of the ways to get out of the the situation of uber low interest rates uh, and and aggressively priced bonds was to create inflation in the market, and that's what's happened. So whether by luck or judgment, we are now back in the world, thanks to central banks, either intentionally or unintentionally, destroying bond market investor value, but creating value uh, or opportunity, certainly for those who prepare to go back into the market today.
0: Can we talk a bit about the credit market, the corporate bond market, what impact has all of this had on that? And is it an attractive place to invest yet? Um,
1: I, I still think the, the core of the credit market, so in, core investment grade companies do offer quite attractive entry points. You know, I generally worked with a, a sort of sliding scale over the years and it's very much value driven. So currently, triple uh, B spreads uh, in the U.S., for example, are close to two percent. So you get paid an extra two percent for owning triple B's uh, compared with U.S. sovereign debt. So straight away, that gives you a return of uh, around about six percent. In that part of the market, there is a huge opportunity set. Some of which is uh, undoubtedly attractive, and despite its rating, is actually quite low uh, with respect to default probability. But there are also danger areas and potential pitfalls. And so it's easy to say, let's go and buy some investment grade. Triple Bs look quite good. But I do think it's a part of the market that you need to be um, employing an active manager to to invest in, to to do the due diligence, to understand the terms and conditions of the companies and the bonds that we're buying into, if that's the route that, that as an investor you want to go down. What's the highest level default rate? the the triple B sector's seen. Well the the normal default through time is less than one percent per annum. So if you think about it, you're getting compensated twice the rate of default. Right. The other thing with default rates is we need to need to be careful what we what we mean. Most corporate bonds so, historically, investment grade bonds have a very poor covenant. So, you, you don't have an awful lot of investor uh, protection. If you think about sitting around a table with, you know, the bankers, the equity owners, uh, the managers of a company, it's unusual and always been unusual for bond investors to get a seat at that table, certainly in investment grade. But, The flip side of that is what you tend to find is that there's quite strong recovery rates. So it varies, but, but a recovery rate. So if a company goes bust for senior triple B rated securities, quite often you can get 30 or 40% of your money back. So from that 1% of defaults, you can get 30 or 40 basis points back. So the maths are even more stacked in your favor. But you just need to be careful. Just need to know what you're doing. And I I mentioned the word or the phrase triple B senior something else that we've seen so credit suisse for example had a whole pile of tier one securities yeah. that were rated triple b when the proverbial hit the fan you weren't getting 40, 40 cents and a dollar back in those so you just need to be really careful and, and and hopefully find someone with a bit of experience who can use their judgment to move into the correct part of of, of that market if that's your what you, you like and i say i do quite like it
0: last question from me today what are you seeing in terms of demand or flow into the sector
1: yeah, for five or six years, so partly because of people might like me going around and telling clients it was a dangerous market. <laughs> yeah. um, thankfully, when yields jumped and prices collapsed over the last 18 months, uh, a large section of the market was underweight, fixed income. So what we have started to see is uh, money coming back into uh, core bonds. Uh, and certainly a number of investors that I speak to are quite excited about the opportunity. And what they see uh, is similar to what I see that Uh, there's no real need to chase some of the darker corners of the market, the fixed income market, because for that, the hurdle rate that they need for the value part of their portfolio, which, uh, again, across the G7 tends to be 4 or 5% per annum. We can get that just investing in core bonds, which we haven't been able to do for about 20 years. So not just me, but a lot of people are actually quite excited about the opportunity to put some money into the bond market, not worry about it too much, certainly not have to worry about the madness of negative interest rates uh, and just use that as as ballast to their higher risk growth assets. Okay, that's great.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us, David, and we look forward to the launch of your fund in the near future. Great. Thank you, Rob. Cheers. Bye-bye. Net Group Collective Investments is an authorised Collective Investments Scheme Manager in terms of the Collective Investments Schemes Control Act. NetGroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit netgroupinvestments.co.za. NetGroup Investments. See money differently.